Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go with me to Ephesians 4, and I want to continue with this that we've been looking at, uh, the mature believer. And, uh, you know, the the more that we get into things uh, um, that God has us to speak about, uh, the more, obviously, that He begins to show us. But the thing that the Lord has really dealt with me about is that there are things that God wants to bring into the lives of people And now, I'm not necessarily saying you. Every time you hear a message, uh, you got to understand the pastor has to speak to everyone corporately and has to speak the same thing. Something may apply to you. It may not apply to you. Uh, Now, don't be hypocritical and say something that does apply to you doesn't. Amen. But, But the point is, it may not apply to everyone individually, but it applies to the body corporately. And so I say that because what the Lord dealt with me about is this is there are things that He wants to do for people, but they won't mature to the point that they can receive them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, right now, uh, uh, Liliana uh, would like to drive a car. (laughs) But she can't. Well, it's not that she's cognitively challenged or or otherwise unable. It's, It's just she's not mature enough. She doesn't understand the ramifications of driving a car, the responsibility. Come on, you know people that you've ridden with that they have no idea the responsibilities of driving correctly. (laughs) Amen. I mean, you're wanting to say, get me, stop, get me out of this car. Right, Sarah? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, you've been with those people, right? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Look at dad and mom. They're like, oh, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you. Which one of y'all taught her to drive? You know, that's, that's why you... That's, <laughs> now, let me explain what happened here. They both pointed at each other. <laughs> because they're, they're concerned if you've ever saw Sarah drive, they don't want the blame. <laughs> now, I'm joking. She drives well. But, uh, <laughs> amen. But there's a responsibility that goes with that. When God wants to do something in a person's life or in a body corporately, the body has to grow. The body has to mature. Amen. You know, uh, when when children are born into a marriage, well, one of the first things that begins to happen very quickly, especially if they care, is you begin to mature. Right? When you got married... The first thing that you should have understood, whether you did or not, you know, could be because of teaching. But you had to understand, first of all, that, okay, now I understand that life is not just about me. I've got somebody else I'm responsible for. Right? And then when that child came along, those children came along. I I don't know about you, but the first time when I held my first child, it was like, my Lord, I have a weight of responsibility here. This is... Not only do I have to provide for them, i got to teach them right. i got to lead them to the Lord. i got to teach them how to be good Christians, right? It, it was a responsibility, and I took it serious. And, and I realized that nobody else could do for them what I needed to do for them. Amen. Well, there are things that God wants to do, but we have to mature. We have to grow up. The goal of the Christian life is maturity. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now that word perfecting, we've we've spent the time to go over this in each each message. That word perfecting there, it, it, it means equipping or furnishing. All right, he's give apostle, prophets, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping for the furnishing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So that what? That body will be edified. 
All right? So that, that you can be fully furnished, fully equipped. Paul used that word, you'll remember in writing to Timothy, he told him to study the Word of God, to be in the Word, so that the man of God may be furnished unto all good works. All right? Thoroughly furnished is the word that he used. And so this is equipped or furnished. So in the local church, I'm being equipped and I'm being furnished to do something. The work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now here's something that, that I need to see right away. Not, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say for the work of my personal ministry or just so I can get equipped and I can get furnished and go do my own thing. It says that you are equipped for whatever ministry you have so you can edify the body. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I can edify the body of Christ. And so what, that's, that's whatever ministry that you're involved in. It's a ministry of edification. It's a ministry of love. And then he goes on and he says, Until we all come in the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, the word perfect man, it means a fully grown person, a fully mature person, all right? So the, the first word means to be thoroughly furnished or equipped for what purpose? So that I can be this fully grown or mature person. Hallelujah. Amen. The reason for that equipping, the reason for that furnishing, this arriving at maturity is that the believer is no longer a child. That, that, so he can't be moved about by, by, by what comes. Winds of doctrine or issues. Amen. Uh, uh, the defense against deceptions maturity. Uh, uh, immature people get deceived. Yeah, but the Bible says even the very elect. No, the Bible says if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. In other words, by, by reason of, of the way the verbiage is, it's not possible. The very elect are not going to be deceived. Amen. Why? Because we're mature. Hallelujah. Now, in Ephesians 4.15 it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love. That phrase is, means enfolded in love. Wrapped in love. So a mark of spiritual maturity is the ability to speak the truth in love. Now, every time the Bible mentions the word, the, the word truth, truth can have a directness to it. Uh, the book of Proverbs says that, that you need mercy and truth to grow. All right? If, if all you ever get is mercy, and God is merciful, and we preach mercy, but if all you ever get is mercy, you'll, you'll, have, no, uh, you'll have no backbone. Amen. You, you won't have any constitution about you. Because all you ever get is mercy. Amen. Everybody needs mercy. Children need mercy. But children need discipline. Right? He said mercy and truth. Well, if, if all you ever get is mercy, you won't have any, any strength, any backbone. But if all you get is truth, you'll be very legalistic. You need both of them. You need mercy and truth to grow. And so he says that you have to be able to speak the truth in other words, it might be something somebody doesn't want to hear. But you can still speak it in love. So what he's saying is wrap it in love, enfold it in love. I'm saying this because I love you. Right? Amen. Our mindset can never be, well, you know, I'm going to tell you like it is and I don't care what you think. Well, I, I, I mean, you might say it, but it won't have the effect that it should have. I've got to speak the truth in love. Amen. Do you see that? Then in Ephesians 4 and 31, this is where we'll get directly into what we're going to teach on today. Notice he says in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So Paul's writing to the church. The, the context haven't changed. He's still talking to the church. And he says to the church, he says, these believers, let all bitterness, 
And he goes through some, some different words. We'll look at them. But he starts out with bitterness. Let all bitterness. That, that word, the first meaning of that word is extreme wickedness. Now, you wouldn't think writing to a church, you'd have to tell them to put extreme wickedness away. But he did. Amen. And then it means this. It means a bitter root. A bitter root. And so producing a bitter fruit. Amen. Remember in the book of Hebrews, it says not to let there be found in any one of you a root of bitterness. Right? Well, you know, the book of Hebrews was written to the church, and he says, here's a problem. Uh, If you have a root of bitterness, you're going to end up in the same situation Esau found himself in. Because what happened? When, when, When Jacob received the birthright instead of Esau, Esau got bitter. And that bitterness turned him against God. And that's why Malachi said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Uh, The Bible says on in in the New Testament, it says that Esau was a profane person. He didn't think much of the things of God. When, When you get bitterness in your heart, you don't think much of your fellow believer. Because it's all about me. Well, if you knew what they did to me, you might be bitter too. Well, I mean... I'm not going to argue with that, the, the, but it still doesn't change what the Word says. I've had people tell me before, if you were going through what I was going through, you'd worry too. Well, that may or may not be the case, but it doesn't change the fact that Jesus said three times, don't worry about anything. See, it doesn't change the fact that Paul said, put away bitterness. Let it go away from you. Why? It hinders your love walk. Amen. When you walk in bitterness, it affects you. I told a person one time, I said, if you could only see how much your bitterness is not affecting the person you're bitter at. They are going on with their life. They're enjoying their life. And you're the one sitting there not enjoying life. Every time you see them, it just makes you cringe. Paul said, let it, because why? He said, because it, it, it is a bitter root and it will produce bitter fruit. Amen. And there's nothing in the kingdom that's bitter. And nothing bitter comes from the kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Then he said, uh, bitterness and wrath. Oh my goodness. The base definition of this is anger. But it means this, an anger that boils up suddenly and then subsides. And in other words, this is somebody that flies off the handle all the time. Like a volcano. Boom, it just erupts, then it's done. Right? That's a hard person to be around because you don't know what they're going to be like tomorrow. Right? And and what do you end up doing? Walking on eggshells around them. Because you don't ever know what might set them off. That should not be in the life of a believer. Believers should be the most constant, stable people that anybody knows. Amen. Why? Because what's our aim? To be mature, and when we're mature, who are we going to be like? Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus is the same. People should know what to expect from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because you see, there's no, there's no corners in any of our, of our rooms that says it's the, it's the, uh, the cheer-up room. You know, where, where we take grumpy, grumpy Christians and put them in there and cheer them up. Right? No, you come to church cheered up. You come to church full of joy. Why? Because that's the fruit of the reborn human spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. And, 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 and you don't want to be that person that, that, that something might just set them off. Something might just make them angry. Hallelujah. That, that's a sign of immaturity. A child throws a fit when things don't go their way. An adult doesn't. Amen. Do, do, do you understand that? A child slams the door when they leave the room. Because they want you to know they're mad. 
Amen. But the trouble is that didn't, that didn't fix anything. They still got to deal with what they got to deal with. Amen. You're, you still are going to have to deal with what you have to, and you do it in love. Amen. Now, now notice, he's talking about in our interactions with each other. And then he says, hallelujah, a clamor. Well, that word clamor is the word tumult, T-U-M-U-L-T. <laughs> you know, the basic word, the basic meaning of that word is this, drama. <laughs> drama. <laughs> Amen. You know what I'm talking about. You, you've been around believers and around people that, that, they, that it's, there's always drama going on. One, one minister that, that I know said there are people that are dramacidal. Amen. Just, just drama. And, and every time you're around them, they're wanting to pull you into their drama. And, and here's the problem. You can't ever help them because that's a way of life for them. Drama is a way of life for them. They kind of thrive on it. Amen. All of their prayers, all of their requests for prayers are about the drama in their life. Right? It's all about the drama in their life, the drama in their marriage, the drama in their family, the drama at their job, right? But here's the problem that they never, that they never see. They're right in the middle of the drama. <laughs> it, right? If, 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 you're not the prob- if you're not part of the problem, if you're not there, it won't affect you. Amen. Hallelujah. I had a lady that, that, that came to the church one time, and uh, uh, when, when I came, when, when we started the church, uh, she was having problems in her marriage, and I didn't know her husband very well. He didn't come to church. And, uh, well, they ended up getting a divorce, but what really happened was she ended up divorcing him. She didn't have any grounds, didn't have any reason, but she did. And uh, now, now, remember, divorce is not the unpardonable sin, but, but you know, you're going to have a hard time if you just walk off and divorce somebody with no reason. And, uh, well, ultimately, I found out why she wanted to get a divorce, because she wanted to marry somebody else. Well, she got married, you know, and wouldn't you know it, just about a year later, all those problems started again. Well, there was a common denominator, her. And all of her relationships went that way. I think she worked in probably every department in the church and got along with nobody. And it was always everybody else's fault. Amen. You know, love looks at how am I affecting the other person? What's my part in this? Amen. Hallelujah. And Paul says, you need to put this drama away from you. That's a good place to say, no drama in my life. Hallelujah. Do do you see this? Hallelujah. Now, he he goes on and he says, evil speaking. That word evil speaking, it means slander. Uh, More specifically, it means speech injurious to another's good name. Slander or speech that is injurious to another's good name. Hallelujah. When you think about that and you think, well, believers wouldn't be involved in slander. Well, I mean, I, I agree with that. But any kind of gossip can be injurious to another's good name. Amen. Hallelujah. When somebody talks to me about something or tries to, if I'm not involved in it, I just tell them, I I don't know what's going on there. I I, I don't have any knowledge about that. Well, let me fill you in. No, don't fill me in because I'll I'll get filled in from your perspective. (laughs) Right? And really the only way to deal with this is for both of y'all to come to me and let's hear both sides. Right? Remember the old long playing albums? If you didn't like the song on, or the 45s, if you didn't like the song on one side, you could flip it over. Yeah. There's another song. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amen. 
And, and the Bible says that us as believers, that's not what we do. We don't enter into slander. If you listen to somebody slander someone else, you're part of it now. Now this is specifically talking about believers. I suggest you don't listen to slander about anybody. But, but the point is, this is specifically about believers. Hallelujah. People will talk about their pastor, talk about their, their brother or sister, talk, talk about whoever. And, the, and they don't ever take the time to understand that's slander and that's hurting me. That's showing my immaturity. Nine times out of ten, it's I did not get my way and I, I want to tell somebody about it. And, and the person that they're talking about will always be slandered. Mm, hallelujah. I lost my crowd on that one, but nonetheless, think about it. I don't want to injure anybody's good name. Hallelujah. For instance, I have a story. Uh, uh, Pastors have stories. I had a friend of mine, still a friend of mine, but uh, at one point we were very close. And his father pastored uh, up, up, uh, well, we would say it's still the south, but up north from us in Virginia. And... uh, 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 one day a lady came into his office and wanted counseling and, and they had set the appointment up. It wasn't like she just walked off the street. And uh, so uh, he agreed to counsel with her. Well, he violated a rule of counseling. Is He, he violated the opposite. Uh, he, he, he counseled the opposite sex alone. All right. You, you never do that. All right. Uh, I don't really counsel hardly anybody alone, but it's, especially in that uh, 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 area. But anyway... The woman came down, sat down in his office, and uh, just about uh, uh, five minutes into the, uh, into the counseling session, she jumped up and began to rip her, her top and shout, he's trying to rape me, and, and he hadn't moved from behind his desk. And uh, she ran out, and of course, you know, well, then everything went south. Well, he spent months trying to clear his name. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, that's, that's a caution against counseling people by yourself. But here, here's something else I wanted you to see. Is that what the problem was, was this young lady had been coming to church and was scheduled to, to get married. She had, she had met a young man, and, and they were planning to get married. And as the marriage got closer, he began to see how goofy she was. And he called the wedding off. Because this, this isn't right. Well, uh, the pastor wouldn't tell him to change his mind. So she got mad at the pastor. And decided, I'm going to get him back. And she did. Well, here's my point in, in, in saying that. If you go to that part of the country today, in that city, and you mention that pastor's name, this has been 25 years ago or more. There, there are people that would go, you know, I heard something about him one time. It wasn't even true. But it injured his good name. Right? Now, that's an extreme example. But when you participate in slander, when you participate in gossip, you are injuring someone's name. And, and how are they going to recover from that? Amen. Because somebody can come, come forward and say, you know what, that wasn't true. What we said wasn't true. But yet, everybody's not going to hear that. Amen. Hallelujah. See, ma- ma- maturity just doesn't talk about people. Brother Hagin made a statement one time back in the 80s. You remember the 80s, the, the scandals that came out. And, and of course, uh, Brother Swaggart and Jim Baker and other ones were involved in some things that weren't right. And... And uh, uh, thank God they've repented and back in the ministry and serving the Lord. But, but you understand that those were the names that were involved. And, and Brother Hagin was in a meeting and a reporter came to that meeting and wanted to interview him. And so he agreed. And, and first question about this scandal. And uh, what do you think about this and all that's going on? And Brother Hagin just looked at him and said, well, I've learned something over the years. He said, uh, putting the other fellow's candle out won't make yours burn any brighter. <laughs> and that was it. How, that, that's such wisdom, Right? That, that, that's all he said. And you know, that's the truth. 
pointing out how somebody else is wrong and talking about somebody else is wrong will not make you any more right. Because the moment you start talking about it, you're wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let me hurry because I I don't want to spend a lot of time on these definitions. But then he said, with all malice. That's a desire to injure. Or a, a, a wickedness that's not afraid to break laws. Hmm. You know, most people that start talking about someone, they're out to inflict some amount of damage on that person. When somebody calls you and says, let me tell you what so-and-so did to me, hang up. Hang up. Because you're about to be pulled into something that's none of your business. Hallelujah. Now, you do whatever you want. It's not my job to run your life, but I'm telling you, after doing this a little while, I've learned how to hang up. I used to have to hang up. Now I just get to push the button. It's a little easier. Amen. I, I, I told someone not too long ago, I said, oh, but stop right there. I don't want to hear it. I understand what you're saying, but I don't want to hear it. I don't need to hear it. Why? Because here's the issue. If they're saying something to me that's going to injure that person, and I don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to be a part of that. The person sitting next to you, maybe in the natural, they're the most important person in the world to you. But the person sitting around you is your brother or your sister, and that is an eternal relationship. That's an eternal relationship. And the Bible says all throughout eternity that we're going to be walking in love, we're going to be walking in hope, we're going to be walking in faith. Those things never go away. Amen. Mm, Hallelujah. So he states that these things are to be put away. Put them away. Push them away. Shove them away from you. Amen. Right? This is our responsibility. We spent months talking on renewing our mind. And how renewing your mind and presenting your body to God was something you had to do. This is something you've got to do. I, listen, I know how the flesh is. You know, right? You, you know, somebody will say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? What? Isn't that what you want to do? I, I don't know about you, but right? You, what? And because you're like, and, and then somebody goes, oh, forget it. Well, wait a minute. What'd they do? That's what you want to do. But it, it's, just, it's just quicker to say, it's just easier to say, I don't want to hear it. Amen. Hallelujah. Just put it away from you. Notice what he said. We're to be kind. Notice, be kind one to another. That, 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 that word means useful, helpful, useful, helpful, kind. And then he says, forgiving one another. That word is forgiving freely and readily. That's what the Amplified Bible says. Forgiving freely and readily. And then he says this. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now notice, forgive freely. Be kind, be useful, be helpful. Forgive freely and readily. Amen. I've talked to believers before. Whether it's marriages or just other, other issues. And, and I've had them say, I, I, I've had them say, now, now look at the other one. Uh, are, uh, you know, are, uh, are you willing to forgive? Well, we'll see. That's not freely and readily. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. But, but wait a minute. That's not what the scripture says. It doesn't say there's a degree. I realize there are things you, 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 listen, I realize there's things you got to grow in in forgiveness. I understand that. But on a day-to-day basis, on a day-to-day basis, on day-to-day living, you and I are to forgive readily and freely. Amen. I, I had to work on it. But I got to the point where people say, Pastor, I need you to forgive me. Done. And every time they'll say, no, wait a minute, you don't know what I'm asking you to forgive me for. Doesn't matter. It's done. I mean, I know you didn't hit me. I know you didn't lie to me or spit on me or something like that. 
And if you did, does it matter? The answer is no. <laughs> right? Because he says, notice, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Hmm. So the Bible says there's something I can do just like God. The word, the phrase even as means in proportion as or to the degree that. So notice, to the degree that God forgave me, I'm supposed to forgive you. Well, what degree did God forgive you to? Well, here's the degree. Before you were saved, you wanted nothing to do with God. You kept God at arm's length or farther, right? There are people that you know that, that said they would never serve God. Amen. Didn't want anything to do with God. Made fun of the things of God. But then when they decided to get saved and receive Jesus as their Lord, God immediately and readily forgave them. That's the degree that we forgive to. Well, I'm going to have to work on that. But Well, I understand that. You might have to do it by faith, but you have to do it. Amen. Not, not in two weeks when I feel like it. Right? Because here, here's the thing. If you believe you're healed and you wake up tomorrow not feeling well, you're not going to say, well, I guess I'm not healed. I'm just going to lay here and be sick. You're going to say something. You're going to act in faith. You're going to say, I am the healed of the Lord. You're going to attempt to make a move in faith somewhere. Yeah. It's the same way with forgiveness. Yeah. You, you might have to do it by faith. You might even have to say, God, I don't really want to do this. I, matter of fact, I don't even really like them. But they're asking me, to forgive them, and I'm going to forgive them by faith. That's not a cop-out. That's what you might have to do. But you're taking a step of faith, and you're saying, Brother, sister, I forgive you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. When when we first started the ministry in Kansas, uh, just before we uh, started services... Uh, well, it would, it would have been a, a couple months uh, before the, we took over the church. There was a young man and, and his friend that they got all uh, uh, hopped up on PCP and decided they wanted to burn the church down. And so they drove by our church and threw a Molotov cocktail through our front door. And uh, thankfully, it was, it's double plane glass, so it went through the first plane, but it didn't get through the second plane, but it sure burnt the doors up. And, uh, uh, well... This young man, uh, it, 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 it's a long, sad story. I mean, he didn't have any parents in his life. Nobody had raised him. It was just a horrible situation. And uh, in, long story short, I found out that he was where he was at in jail. And I thought, I got to go up and talk to him. So I went up and talked to him. And, and, of course, he didn't know anything about the Lord, didn't know, you know, anything about it. He had a real rough exterior. But I talked to him for probably, oh, an hour and a half, ended up leading him to the Lord. And... Uh, talking to him, and uh, I knew he was going to court, and he asked me, would you go to court with me? You know, and I thought, well, okay, I'll go to court with you. And uh, he had done some other things besides firebomb in our church that I couldn't help him with. Yeah. Amen. But uh, what had happened was when, when, when he did that, there was a minister that was sleeping in another part of our, of our building. Now, I know you've never, many of you have never been there, but the front door is here, and this other building, this annex, is all the way over here. There was no way that that fire could have ever affected him. There's too many exits. He's got three exits he can get out of and never be touched. Even if it had started a fire in the sanctuary, he would have never been harmed. And so I talked to him. And I said, you know, I said, this young man's court is coming up. And I said, you know, this can ruin his life. I mean, 17 years of age. He's being tried as an adult. This can ruin his life. And, and we have an opportunity to show the love of God. And so him and a deacon, old deacon, used to be a deacon, went with me. And uh, the judge asked for, you know, who wanted to speak. And, and, of course, they had me speak. And, you know, I didn't say anything that was wrong or, or uh, 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 
diminishing what had happened. But I did tell the judge, I said he has no guidance in his life. He has nobody, nobody to show him what to do or how to do. He doesn't have a dad. He doesn't have a mom. I said, I'm, I'm asking for leniency just simply because he deserves this opportunity to write his life. Amen. Well, the judge thanked me, and, and uh, uh, they brought the other old uh, minister up, and uh, uh, the judge said, well, you know, uh, uh, what, what do you have to say? And, uh, you know, what he said was this. He said, well, you know what he did? That could have burnt me up. And, and he, would, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't ask the judge for leniency. You know, after the trial, he wouldn't look me in the eye. Because I went to him, and, and, I, and I just said, Brother, I said, I don't understand that. He said, you, you, you don't understand. I, I could have got burned up. Well, I could have argued with him. There's no way. I'm telling you as your pastor, there was no way that he could have been burned up. No way. It was, it was, he had too many, too many ways out that were not even close to what was going on. Amen. Well, you know, you know, we tried and tried and tried. That young man's still in prison today. Because he got out of prison on that charge, and he didn't have any guidance in his life. He didn't have anybody to help him. And it was just a matter of time. He's back in prison. And he called me, and I went up to the jail and talked to him again and tried to help him out. Amen. He's still in jail today, in prison. A lot of things could have changed if somebody would have just said, you know, to the degree that God, even if the judge doesn't change his mind, I'm going to forgive you. Amen. Because forgiveness lets you off the hook. Forgiveness puts you in a position. Remember what Jesus said when he talked about the two, the two men that owed the money and the one owed his master in our money $20 million? Which that, that'd be hard to pay back today. Impossible then, right? And he came in, fell down before his master and said, I'm sorry, if you'll give me time, if you'll be patient with me, I'll pay you everything that I owe you. And the man, the Bible says, he forgave it. And then it says this man went immediately out of the room with the king, with the Lord, and he went and found a guy that owed him $20, and the Greek says he grabbed him by the neck and went to strangling him wringing his neck, saying, pay me what you owe me. And he said the same thing. Be patient with me and I'll pay you everything you owe me. And it says the man said, nope, I'm putting you and your family in prison. Well, they went and told the Lord. And you know, the Lord was angry. And he said, bring that wicked servant to me. Wicked. He wouldn't forgive and he called him wicked. Crooked. And he said, when you asked me to forgive you, he said, frankly, I forgave all your debt. And then you wouldn't forgive your brother? He said, put him in, in prison, and he's not coming out till he pays it all. Now, wait a minute. You know what the next verse says? So will your heavenly Father do unto you if you do not from the heart forgive your brother. Jesus said that. Well, what does that mean, basically? That there are things that God wants to do for you, but He can't do for you if you won't forgive. There's things God can't set you free from if you won't forgive from the heart. Amen. Now, the man owed him the money. He owed him $20. And what did the Lord say? In light of the fact that I forgave you $20 million, you should have forgiven him. I don't know where you were in your life where sin is concerned before you were born again, but everywhere you were, you were on your way to hell and you couldn't stop yourself from going there and God was not a part of your life. And when you came and asked Him to forgive you, frankly, He forgave your debt immediately and saved you. And He says that's the degree that we forgive to. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, Pastor, I'm going to have to work on that. I know that's why we're preaching on it. I'm working on it too. Amen. Amen. We're all working on a building. We're all, we're all working on it. Amen. But we've left the station. Hallelujah. Haven't arrived, but we've left the station. Hallelujah. 
So some will say, well, how do I do this? Well, the answer is not found in ourselves. The answer is found in the love that we possess. Notice this, Romans 5.5. Am I helping you so far? Hallelujah. You know, no one can help anything that anybody's done to you. I can't help that. The person can't help that. Right? No, No one can help that. I've got to make a decision that to grow up and be what God wants me to be, I've got to forgive irregardless. It's not an option. I don't have an option to not forgive. And, 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 and that's why over the years you'd hear Brother Hagin say things. He would say, if something's not working from the Word in my life, the first place I look at is my love wall. Now, that's not always the case, but that's the first place to look. Romans 5.5, 5. notice what it says. It's, it's talking about salvation and peace with God. And then it says in verse 4 that, that, that the tribulation, that, that just means the pressure that a person's going through in verse 3 works patience and patience, experience, and experience hope. Well, well what does that mean? You, you, you have patience in a situation, and what will you experience? Victory, right? And then what will you get? Hope. Hope for what? The next time you go through a situation. Because you've already got experience and you know God will come through so you got hope so you're going to come out. And he says, notice, this hope does not make a shame. And then he says, why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Is that what it says? Which is given to us of God. So this means this, simply this. You will never be ashamed doing what God asks you to do. You will never be worse off for forgiving. Amen. Yeah, but they'll think I'm weak. Let me ask you something. What do you care? Why do you care that people are going to think you're weak if you forgive? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's like, what are people going to think if I witness? Well, who cares? You have the answer. Hallelujah. And next time you're on an elevator with people, just say Jesus real loud and watch them what they do. Amen. <laughs> Whew, glory to God. But, but, but what, what does it matter? It, it, it doesn't matter. I will never be ashamed because the love of God... And when it says the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts, it carries the idea that it's, it's the love from God. It's love from God's position. That love has been shed abroad in my heart. And the Weiss Bible says it's been poured into our hearts and still floods them. So the love of God, the, the, the God kind of love, the, the love with God's substance has been poured into my heart and it still floods them by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Still floods them through the Holy Spirit. Oh, glory. So that means I have a constant flow of the love of God. I have a constant flood of the God kind of love that's at my disposal whenever I want to use it. Amen. Because love will always work when you allow it to work. Love will always work. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. Love never fails. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And so that means walking in love, it, it'll, it'll always bring the victory. It'll always bring me out on top. Yeah, but if I walk in love with them, it's going to make me look like I did something wrong. Uh, again, I digress. Why do you care? You, you, you have to turn your attention to what did God ask me to do. God asked me to walk in love. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I've, I've, I've had people say things about me that weren't true. I know that shocks you, but I've, I've, I've had people say things about me that weren't true. You know, people would get, would get upset and say things and whatnot. And people, I had a lady come to me one time. I had a guy take out quarter page newspaper ads about me. Oh, he's calling me a false prophet, false prophet's outreach, fleecing the flock, 
all these different things. People say, what did you do? I can stand here before God and you and say, I did not one thing. Not one thing. Well, it wasn't true. Why didn't you defend yourself? You can't defend yourself against a lie because a lie will change. It's not truth. Amen. You can't defend yourself against a lie. And I had a lady come in with the newspaper and put it down on my desk and real, real huffy. She said, what are you going to do about that? I said, nothing. (laughs) Yeah, but he's lying. He's going to hurt the church. I said, no, you can't hurt the church. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So one old disgruntled deacon isn't going to change anything. It's a lie. I said, you're coming here, you know that's a lie. Yeah, it is, it's a lie. Well, then you know the truth and I know the truth and God knows the truth, so let's just keep going with the truth. And and, and what happened? It just died off. It just went away. Amen. Because love will always work when you allow it. The, The degree that I allow the love of God to govern me is the degree that I'll forgive to. Love forgives. Remember what Sister Pat said when she was here? Love forgives, so I forgive. Remember, you wrote that in 1 Corinthians 13. God is love, so I am love. So you don't just have love. You are of God. 1 John 4 says, you are of God, little children. Right? You are of God. And what does 1 John 4, 8 say God is? Love. So if God is love and you're of God, you're love. So you can forgive readily and freely because you are love and that's what love does. Mm, Hallelujah. Let's go back to Ephesians 5 and uh, verse 1. Here the Apostle Paul coming off of verse 32 of chapter 4 and he says, Be ye therefore... Now, now notice, we, we hear these things, but I want, I want you to keep this in mind. In the letter to the church, there wasn't a chapter 5. It's one letter. And he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even uh, uh, as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And then he says, be ye therefore, or in light of what I just said, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, what did he just tell us God did? Forgave us, right? Quickly and readily. And he says, be therefore followers. It's the Greek word mimetes, M-I-M-E-T-E-S. It means to mimic or to imitate. The the literal Greek definition is an imitation actor, an actor who imitates others. And he said, because of this fact, because of how God forgave you, Follow that example. Imitate God. Mimic God. Act like God. And walk in love. Is that what it says? And walk in love as Christ has loved us and given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Man, those verses are just packed because He tells me to imitate God, to mimic God, to act like God. And then He says to walk in love as Christ has walked in love. Do you see how high God sets the bar where our love walk is concerned? He didn't say walk in love like your pastor or like your brother. He said walk in love like me and Jesus. Well, that's shouting ground because it means it's possible. It's possible. Amen. Now, so we're to mimic or imitate God and walk in love. When we walk in love, we're imitating God. The word walk means this, to regulate one's life. To conduct oneself, to be occupied with. So conduct your life according to love. Regulate your life according to love. Be occupied with love. I asked my pastor about a situation one time, and he said, here's the answer. Walk in love and stay above the fray. Was it? Man, that, that imprinted my spirit. That was many years ago. And anytime anything comes up, I'll remind myself, walk in love and stay above the fray. Because love puts you on another level. 
Love never tears down. Love builds up. And so when you're walking in love, you're, you're above the fray. To tear down puts me right in the middle of it. But when I walk in love, I'm above it. Amen? Hallelujah. Many struggle to forgive because they're not regulating their lives by love. They're not occupied with love. What would love do? How would love react? See, that's walking in love. Remember what Jesus said? He said, it has been said. (laughs) An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So he said, but he said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Now, you know, that principle in the word of God, that principle in the Old Testament was really a principle of wholeness. Under the old covenant, God was saying, you know, if if you cause your brother uh, uh, to be at a disadvantage, then you're going to have to pay for it. Right? If if he loses an eye because of what you did, then then you got to pay with an eye. Wholeness. I want wholeness. Well, but Jesus came to bring us wholeness, and he said, under the law, under the old covenant, that's how it was. You did it to me, I get to do it to you. He said, but under, the, under my commandment, under the new covenant, it is, okay, they did that to me, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to love them. Brother Hagin said, I wouldn't, I, he said, I wouldn't defend myself if they told on me I killed my grandma. <laughs> he said, I, I wouldn't even defend it. And you get to that place. Amen. And when people come to you and they say, you know, so-and-so said this about you, you'll stop them right there when you say, okay, okay, come on, let's pray for them. That settles it. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody said something to me and my wife one time so, about a preacher. So-and-so had said something about us, and me and my wife said, oh, well, let's just pray for them. I'm not not being super spiritual. I'm saying this is the answer. There there is so much on the line spiritually for all of us. We can't afford to walk out of love. A a step out of love is a step away from the things of God. We just can't do it. Amen. Amen. So I need to be occupied with love, regulating my life by love. Amen. So instead of seeing how can I get them back, I need to determine how can I forgive them? How can I show them the love of God? Amen. And I don't have time to get into this, but people will always say, yeah, but I'm not going to let them just walk over me again. Well, don't misunderstand love and barriers. I mean, you can walk in love and forgive somebody and put up barriers. But you're doing it because, because you're walking in love. If somebody's not changing, it doesn't change the fact that you're walking in love with them, but you're just not allowing them to come in and ruin your life. I love you, but you're not going to do that. Amen. I had a family member one time that just wouldn't live right, just wouldn't live right, and they wanted to live with us, but they just wouldn't live right. And I said, you're not going to do that. You're not, you're not going to live that way. If, if you want to live here, these are the things you got to do, and, and, and this is what has to happen. And they didn't want to do it, so one day I came in and said, I, you got to go. Well, where am I going to go? I don't know. (laughs) But you can't live here and do that. Well, don't you love me? I do. I love you with all my heart. You're my family. I love you. But you're not going to do that. Amen. And should you choose to quit doing that and live right and live for God, the place is always open for you. Amen. One of our children didn't want to live right. and And they got out living wrong, living in sin. And they got out where they didn't have no money. And they called mom and dad. They said, what would you do? Well, I'll tell you what I didn't do. I didn't run right over and bring them some money. I let them know. They said, they said well, that's easy for you to say. You're, you're so blessed and so prosperous. I said, you are so right. And I said, and I've got all the money that me or you either one need. And you could have some of it if you just live right. But I'm not going to take God's money that He blessed me with by tithing and give it to you to go live in sin. I'm not going to do it. Well, you just don't love me. I love you with all my heart. But there's not one scripture that says I need to uh, uh, help you live in sin because I love you. See, those, 
Those are barriers. You know? And, 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 and it's not that I don't love you. It's that we've got to have these barriers. And, and, and once you quit that, I'll be glad to help you. I'll be glad to bless you. But, but not until. Amen. So see, don't, don't, don't misunderstand that. Walking in love is not letting people take advantage of you. And then forgiving and say, well, I'm going to forgive them because I have to. Well, well listen. <laughs> Amen. You don't invite the wolf in and wonder what happened to all your food. Right? Amen. In, <laughs> in Galatians 5. We're nearly done. In Galatians 5. Oh, we're growing. We're growing. Notice Galatians 5.14 says this. All the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now remember, when it's talking about the law, it's talking about the Mosaic law, which is primarily the Ten Commandments. And it says all of those commandments are fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, people will say, well, who's my neighbor? Remember that, that, that uh, Jesus, the, the scribe came to Jesus and said, uh, uh, how do I obtain eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know what the Scripture says. And what's the Scripture saying? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, that's right. Do that and you'll live. And he said, uh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, who's my neighbor? Right? Because, because the, 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 the Jews at that time believed that there were people that were your neighbor and people that weren't your neighbor. And if they weren't your neighbor, you didn't have to help them. And, and you remember the, the, the story that Jesus told about the, the Good Samaritan. And uh, 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 I won't take the time to go into that. But basically, so the, 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 the Jew was saying, this Jewish man was saying, so, you know, I get to choose who my neighbor is. The word neighbor means this, any other person. <laughs> and, and it means this, when there is two, the other one. Well, there's only, if right, that's you and your neighbor. So if you and your neighbor are standing there, there's two of you, and it's the other one. Right? Well, well think about that. Think, think about what the Bible says in the Ten Commandments. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's home or whatever the case may be. Your, your neighbor's. Well, that could be the person that lived next to you, but that means the person that you're standing here with. Amen? If I'm walking in love, I'm not going to covet what you have. Now, people will say, well, why, why, is that, why is that so important? Because covet leads to deception. Covet just leads to sin. Amen. The, the, the New Testament word is lust. Right? I, I want to stay away from that. Because what you develop a strong desire for, you're eventually going to take steps to get. But if I'm walking in love, I won't do that. Amen. Amen. That's my neighbor's car. That's my neighbor's house. That's whatever it may be. Thank God for how you've blessed them. I'm next. Amen. Mm. Then Romans 13, 9 and 10. You can write that down. We don't necessarily have to go there. The Amplified Bible says, Love does, does no wrong... To one's neighbor, it never hurts anybody. Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. Uh, uh, the King James says, if there's any other commandment, it's comprehended in this saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. You know, that's what Ephesians 5.25 says. It says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. Now, now, of course, I know that Paul speaks specifically in Ephesians to husbands, but that doesn't omit wives. Because believers are told to love one another as we love ourselves. But, but the point is, is my wife would be my neighbor. Yeah. 
And we're to love them as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Amen. I've counseled marriages before, and it will always come down to this. Yeah, but they're this, and they're that, and they never do this, and they never do that. And they, so you've got two selfish people that won't give of themselves for each other, and they're wondering why their marriage won't work. I'm the one that's always given. Come on, man. You know what this is? World's smallest record player playing. My heart bleeds for you. <laughs> nobody is all the problem, and nobody is totally innocent. If there's an argument, it takes two. That's four, but it takes two. It takes two. You can't argue by yourself. I mean, you can try, but we'll think you're crazy. Hallelujah. If you just walk away, if you won't argue, yeah, but they're getting their way. See, you're not concerned about giving yourself for the relationship or the person. You're, you're just concerned about getting your way. I want everybody to see it my way. Well, that's not love. Because love, <laughs> love believes the best of every person. Amen. But I've talked to marriages before and, and, and I've had husbands and wives point their finger at each other. They'll never change. Well, that's not love. Because love believes the best of every person. So if I'm walking in love, there's hope that they'll change. And, and you understand the situations that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about situations of abuse and adultery and things of that nature. I'm talking about just what the world calls irreconcilable differences. I, I personally don't believe there's irreconcilable differences for two Holy Ghost-filled saved people. It's kind of quiet in here, but that's still my opinion. Hallelujah. Anyway, moving right along. So notice, love is in the giving. One of the main indicators of spiritual maturity is the willingness to walk in love. The willingness to walk in love. That's one of the main indicators of spiritual maturity. As I'm wrapping this up, when, when you're tempted to talk about what the other person should do, stop and take a moment and think, what can I do to be better? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, ladies, nagging your husband about change isn't going to make him change. You are not the Holy Ghost. You have no ability to convict him and cause him to change. Yeah, but that just... How would you like to go home to that every day? And, and right on the hand now, I'm not letting the men off the hook either. I mean, there's things that we've got to do. Don't be stubborn. Bless God, my house. Come on, man. Aren't we past that yet? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You didn't decorate anything. Decorated nothing. <laughs> Did not make it right. Yeah, well, I paid for it. Yeah, and you live in it and eat in it and sleep in it. And... But my point is, you're never going to get your way nagging. You're never going to get your way demanding. Love doesn't demand. Bless God, I'm the head of this house and it's how it's going to be. <laughs> now nothing's being that way, you understand. Because, because children, wives, families don't respond well to bullies. They respond well to love. Amen. Children, I'll share this with you, and we'll, we'll, I, this is not home and family living, but nonetheless, it's good. Uh, our oldest son, one day I, I came home from the office, and uh, Pastor Michelle had gotten home before me, and she was just, she said, Philip, I don't, I don't, 
I, I stay on that boy about doing this, and I just, he's just not doing it. And I set her down, and I said, honey, I said, he's a little man. I said, I don't like to be nagged. It is in a man's DNA to resist nagging. You know what all that laughter means? They agree. It's against a man's DNA. To, it's in our DNA to resist nagging. I said, tell him what to do. And if he doesn't do it, we'll deal with it from the disobedience standpoint. Right? Don't nag him. Amen. And you know, that, that, I'm, I'm not saying that to prove how right I was. Amen? But here, here's the thing. What, what does, does love do? Love forgives. Well, he just won't pick his stuff up, and he won't take out the trash, and I've been on him about getting that garage clean. You've been on him. And nothing has changed. Well, they ought to respond to my nagging. No, because the Bible says love is gentle. Love is kind. Love is not bitter. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And when you start nagging your husband, nagging your son, nagging whatever, immediately their mind goes to what can we do to get out of this? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) DJ says go to Popeye's. That's what we can do. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the, re- the reason I'm saying that is uh, one of the main indicators of love is the willingness to give. If, if, if the wife is willing to give up her rights and the husband's willing to give up his rights, then you got two people that are not fighting for themselves, they're fighting for the marriage. And then you'll be successful. Because, because you can't have two people fighting for their own rights and expect the body, the marriage, to be successful. Amen. Hallelujah. Because love is ready to believe the best of every person. Amen. So if he hadn't done something you asked him to do, just believe the best of him. Well, what does that mean? Maybe he forgot. Maybe he got busy. Maybe, maybe, maybe he didn't have time. And you know, it, 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 it goes the same way. From the husband to the wife. Whatever it may be. Maybe they, maybe they didn't have the time. Maybe they got overwhelmed. I don't know. Right? But does it really matter? In, in the end, is it really the end of anything? You know, you'll be okay if your husband doesn't pick his socks up. You, you, you'll be okay if she burnt the roast. God loves burnt offerings, so you should too. Or he did anyway. Amen. He did. Actually, she's just showing you how holy you are. She's offering up burnt offerings. Anyway. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Because, because when you do that, you grow in love. And it's those little things that you do every day that puts you in a position to grow in love.